focus on the process. In my experience, hard conversations are seldom resolved in just one meeting. It usually takes multiple meetings or even a whole series of meetings to achieve your desired outcome. By focusing on the process, you won't be emotionally invested in what happens in the short term. Welcome to episode 101 of the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership. I'm Tim Barnes. And I'm Nathan Ruby. Well, Nathan, I'm excited about our conversation this morning because I think we're pushing into something that I know I struggle with sometimes, and I know a lot of leaders do, and that's having hard conversations, being willing to step into that. You know, and and as executive directors, those hard conversations are coming. And if you haven't had one yet, there's one right around the corner. And I think hard conversations are a indicator of of how i don't know what the word i want tim how hard an organization is pushing or how are you, if your organization and you as a leader if you're not having hard conversations you're probably in the status quo and there is no growth that takes place in the status quo well i have to say that one of my favorite books over the last uh 15 years or so was the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. And he made a comment in there. He said, a person's success in life can usually be measured by the number of uncomfortable conversations they're willing to have. And I think that's, that's so true. But Nathan, before we dive into this conversation, I just want to say, I hope our listeners have enjoyed our hundredth episode last week. We sure enjoyed recording it with Christina Edwards. It was great. Christina did a wonderful job. And it was great to look back and talk about why we even started this podcast and and as well as thinking about some of the successes and <laughs> some of the not so successes as well. But it was it was really fun. Yeah, there's plenty of well, there's plenty of both. Plenty of successes and plenty of not successes as well. And you know, just to let you know that that Tim and I uh you know, when we come up with this stuff, with these things that we talk about, we actually are practicing what we preach. And after we recorded the the hundredth episode, uh, episode, we uh, we had our own uh, hard conversation, and and that conversation was, well, what's next? You know, what's the next hundred? And you know, we we did talk about a little change, and we did talk about uh, some new things that we'd like to do. And so we're not quite ready to to you know uh, announce those yet, but there's there's some different things coming up that we'd like to do, and so we're working on those behind the scenes. Well, as we went back and we looked at our our most downloaded shows, just to kind of look up for some trends, we realized that our number one downloaded show is actually show number seventy five. How do I spend my day as an executive director, which dropped on February 15, 2023? Yeah. And not only is it our most downloaded show, we still, six months later, get questions from listeners about that episode. So we've decided to dive in a little deeper to this topic. And over the next few weeks, we're going to keep coming back to um, this topic and and get a little more specific about how do I spend my day? We're going to try to share out of our own experiences and and just kind of wrestle with some of the questions that we get about that as well. So Nathan, 
hard conversations. Where where are we going to go on that today? Yeah. So uh, what we're going to, well, first of all, we're going to define what a hard conversation is. And then we have four key points that you can use as a way to make those hard conversations maybe a little bit easier, uh, a little bit better and, and have a little better uh, outcome uh, after those conversations. But first, let's define what we mean by a hard conversation. And a hard conversation refers to discussions that are emotionally challenging or difficult to approach. These may involve conflicts, disagreements, or sensitive topics that require careful communication to avoid further complications. So that's what we're using as a definition. So let's go into point one. And one of the things that you've got to do before you ever even get into these conversations is have a very clear definition of what your outcome is. So what do you what are you looking to achieve through this this conversation or these series of conversations? Are you trying to change a behavior? Are you trying to change a decision that one of your staff people made or a volunteer made? Um, and as you're looking at that outcome and, and what it is that you're trying to achieve, make sure that you're addressing the root issue or the root cause of the issue and not the symptom. It's always it's always interesting to me. When do you decide to dive into this kind of a conversation and when can you just like, oh, it's no big deal. Just just let it go. I'm not going to have to worry about that. And, uh, you know, the outcome probably helps us decide that <laughs> if there's a behavior that's really dragging us down or if there's someone just really did something, <laughs> made a bad decision or all those kind of things. But trying to figure out when do I really need to have that conversation sometimes can be can be challenging, too. Yeah. And, you know, the, the phrase is always used, you know, it is you don't have to die on every mountain and, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to address everything right off the bat. And I think sometimes it's also some of the bigger issues that, that you may have to deal with. Maybe you practice on some of the smaller issues so that you could grow as a leader, you grow as an individual, you get a little bit better at this, and then you tackle progressively more difficult uh, uh, issues. However, Tim, and, and I'm sure you've had these as well, there are times where even if you're not prepared and you don't feel ready, there, there's something that has happened that you have to address. And, and in those cases, you got to you know, tackle it and do the best, the best you can do. So I think, you know, an example of, of figuring out outcomes. Um, so here's kind of a, a, a common issue that pops up for, uh, for executive directors. And you've got a board member who dominates the conversation. They, they talk over people and they actually influence the outcome of votes on really important issues because other board members are really reluctant to speak up. So what do you do? Well, all right. So first of all, you obviously you have to define the outcome. What is it that you want from your boisterous uh, board member? What do you want that board member to do? Do you want that board member to stop talking so much? Do you want them to continue to express their their position, but kind of tone it back a little bit and you know just kind of chill out and, and not be so aggressive in it? 
Do you want them to, you know, do you want an asset board member to, to wait five minutes into the discussion before they launch off into whatever their position is? You know, and, and there's probably other, other ideas as well. Point is, is that before you would have that conversation with that board member, you want to be very clear in what it is that you see as the best outcome. Um, and then the last thing I would add to that, Tim, is changing a behavior is much, much more difficult than changing an action or saying, hey, you know, this is the action you took this time. Next time, I'd like for you to think about taking this action. That is a much easier thing than trying to change somebody's behavior. People may not even realize they're doing it. You know, sometimes it's not necessarily going in confronting all at once. Sometimes it's just asking a couple questions to help them begin to see the impact they might be having with their actions until they realize that it's kind of hard to change things, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as a leader in that situation where you've got that board member and you know that other people on the board would like to make input or would, would like to speak and they're just, just because of their personality, they're struggling to do that. One of the things that that I've done in the past is I would say, let's say the um, the, the boisterous board member is Mary and the, the board member who's not responding is Sally. And so as the executive director, I would say, well, you know, we're pretty clear on what Mary's position is. And I, I would say it with a little bit of humor and, and get a little bit of a of a of a laugh or a little bit of a response that way. And then I, I've said, you know, Sally, I'd love to hear what you think. and that gives Sally the 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 microphone, so to speak, and it gives her the permission and it gives her the encouragement to give her position. Um, and typically what I found is, what I say, Mary, um, then it, it's also a social cue for her to, okay, Mary, it's time for you to zip it. Uh, and I don't say zip it, but <clears throat> you know, most people will get that that cue. So that's another way that you can handle that. But you that is something that I would, if you're going to do something like that, you know, kind of mentally practice that ahead of time and and have your, what you're going to say, maybe even practice what you're going to say to, to, so that when you're saying it, it kind of rolls off your tongue as opposed to stumbling all over it. I do appreciate what you're saying too, Nathan, is that it is important to consider the outcome. Sometimes it's easier. <laughs> it's easier just to go with, I wish I would just be quiet. <laughs> But it's really good to be able to say, hey, wait a minute, what is what is a good outcome for the conversation I might have to to have with them? So that's a that's a really good point. Uh, Number two, Uh, number two is mindset. And, you know, if you go into any conversation, any difficult conversation with a mindset of, oh, my gosh, you know, this is terrible. I don't like confrontation. I don't like to I don't want to do this. You know, you get up at, you know, whatever time you get up in the morning and you get the meetings at nine o'clock where you're going to have this conversation and you just, you know, you kick the dog and don't actually kick the dog, but you know, you yell at your spouse and you yell at the kids and you're just, you're in a, you're in a cruddy mood because you just don't want to have this conversation. Well, guess what? You're going to, you're going to take that mindset into that conversation and you're not probably not going to have a good outcome. But on the other hand, if you look at these hard conversations as opportunity, and it's a, it's an opportunity to make things better, 
to have better understanding, to have a better connection with whoever you are interacting with, whoever the conversation is with. So if you look at it as an opportunity, you will feel better going into that conversation. And, um, you know, an, another thing mindset is focus on the process. And in my experience, hard conversations are seldom resolved in just one meeting. It usually takes multiple meetings or even a whole series of meetings to achieve your desired outcome. And by focusing on the process, you won't be emotionally invested in what happens in the short term. And because some of these, some of these situations that you're going to be dealing with, there it may take days or weeks or even months maybe to to get that outcome that you're looking for. So you're taking little baby steps. And if your mindset is, okay, I'm going to suck it up and put on my big boy or big girl pants and I'm going to go into this meeting and I'm going to have it. And then when I walk out of there 45 minutes later, everything's going to be solved and everything's going to be perfect. Well, that's not how this stuff works. And if you're believe if you believe that I just got to do suck it up for 45 minutes and I'm done, well, then the you know as as it takes longer and longer and longer to actually solve it, you're going to get more and more negative and depressed about it. So, right mindset and focus on the process. I I remember hearing a friend talk about he was he was sharing about how he was having a really hard conversation with his spouse and really kind of going back and forth. They were trying to work through some things. And he said, Hey, do you think I like having these hard conversations? And she said, she looked at him and said, what are you talking about? That's what relationships are. If you really care about someone, you have these hard conversations. It's all about relationship." And it it really challenged him because it's like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to have to argue about this. I don't want to ever. Relationships require challenging conversations, and we and that's a mindset. It's not like, hey, I want to get I want to get the best of this person, or I want to do whatever. But we're going to be better if we actually have these challenging conversations. Conversations like these is a signal of growth, and you can't grow without without these types of conversations and because change you know we'll just we'll call it change because if you're having a hard conversation that means something is happening that needs to be adjusted or changed so we're talking about change here and you know you 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 can't you can't grow from point A to point B without growth and that brings these opportunities so the faster quicker larger that you're growing, that the organization is moving towards its mission, moving towards its vision, the more of these you're going to have, you know, thinking of it as a, okay, you know, there's an issue. Yep. You can't, you can't stick your head in the sand and say, nope, I'm not going to address it. And we're just going to pretend like it's not happening. And you can't do that. But on one hand, you could say, oh, wow, we must, you know, we must be having some progress because these issues are coming up. So look, look at it as a positive sign of growth not of a negative sign of, oh my God, I hate my job today. Okay. Number three, empathy. And, you know, empathy is a, is a good one. And I, for me, it is uh, a little, I'm not going to, well, I don't know, Tim, maybe it's, maybe I'd say it's hard. Um, let's just say I have to focus on that. I have to focus on what the other person is thinking, what the other person is feeling. Because empathy is, you know, what is the other person's perspective? and 
every hard conversation that you go into, and because sometimes the conversation's one-on-one, it's you and one other person. It could be you and a group of people. You know, it could be two, three, four. So it's not always one-on-one. But the other group that you're talking to, you have to understand that they have a preferred outcome. They have what they feel is the right thing to happen after this conversation. And so, and I think as you as you look towards that empathy and what is the other party, what is their preferred outcome? We're we're not doing this as to, as a way, you know, like in politics, they do opposition research so that they can, you know, develop ammunition to go negative campaigns with. Um, and in this situation, you're you're not doing opposition research so that you can come in and impose your will on them by you know, answer, having an answer to all of the things that they're going to argue. That's not what we're looking at. What we're looking for is to consider their preferred outcome so that you can look for common ground. And common ground is so important so because it gives you a starting point. It gives you a place where you can, you, you can, you know, Hey, I know that we agree on one, two, three, four uh, on these things. A- and you can talk about those and then slowly move into, you know, whatever the issue is, is that you have to address. And, you know, <clears throat> if you've listened to some of our shows, uh, Tim and I are, are big Cardinals fans, St. Louis Cardinals fans. And uh, it's not not the best year for the St. Louis Cardinals this year, uh, but we're toughing it out. We're we're sticking with them. And uh, there's always always next year. and. If you're not familiar with with the U.S. baseball, um, one of uh, the Cardinals' arch rivals is the Chicago Cubs, and um, very uh, very strong rival. And you know, if you talk to a Cubs uh, a, a Cubs fan, you know they don't care if they win or not as long as they beat the Cardinals. You know, it's that type of thing. And so you can you can go into a conversation with you know Cardinals fans and Cubs fans and have a lot of of good natured animosity towards each other, but a common ground that Tim and I have with all Cubs fans is Wrigley Field, which is the the baseball field. That's the name of the field that the Chicago Cubs play at. And hey, Tim and I love baseball, and if we get a chance to go to a major league game, even if it's not the Cardinals, we're going. And Wrigley Field is an iconic baseball park that is a fabulous venue to watch baseball at. So if we were in a hard, difficult conversation with Cubs fans, um, we could start with that as common ground. We could say, you know, we could talk about Wrigley Field and the experiences that we both had going to games there and, you know, some of the interesting uh, architecture and some of the interesting things that's unique to Wrigley. And so that's where we would start our conversation. Um, then we would go to that. They have a terrible team and they have no idea what they're doing. You know, th- those type things, but that would come after we talked about Wrigley field. I have to say, you know, growing up in central Illinois, we are split down the middle here. We have Cardinals on one hand, Cubs on the other hand. But my family and I, we we moved and worked in the Chicago area for about 10 years. And it gave me a whole different perspective on this. <laughs> when you actually, you know, when most of the people around you are Cubs fans and you, it's just, you start to appreciate, uh, you start to appreciate their passion and their loyalty and some of those kind of things, which before it was easy just to throw stones a little bit probably. But when you were actually... Get in the mix of it. Uh, 
And I and I appreciate that. And I agree. You know, Wrigley Field is a great place to to watch a baseball game. See, you just saw some empathy coming from Tim and an example of that. And it's a good thing that they got out of there and back down further south. So uh, you were saved just in the nick of time, Tim. <laughs> um, and so, you know, a common a common uh, conversation where empathy comes into play in the nonprofit world is is maybe dealing with a, a vendor. Um, and a lot of time, and I've seen a couple of different mindsets on on this topic. And one is, okay, uh, let's say uh, what a vendor be, uh, let, okay, let's say snow removal. Uh, you know, we live, live in the Northern hemisphere. Snow is the, uh, is part of our life in the winter and snow removal can get pretty expensive, especially if it's snowing every other day. So let's use that as an example. And so you have a vendor who, uh, plows the snow and one, one concept says, well, we're a nonprofit and, you know, none of us are making a ton of money and we're doing something that's great for the community. So that vendor, that snowplow company, they should donate their services to us. We shouldn't have to pay for that because we're a nonprofit. The other mindset is, or the other concept of that is, hey, we're a business just like every other business and we need to build in expenses into our, uh, into our, uh, into our budget and snow removal is a common budget. It's just part of what we do. And so there's a, uh, and, and I think I come down on the, the side of, listen, we're a business and we have expenses and this is why we raise money. This is why we generate revenue to offset those, those expenses. And, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't go to a vendor and, have a conversation of, hey, you know, is there a way that we could get a, you know, a discount or or something? The, those conversations are okay. And I think what happens though, if you are if you are um, going after free vendors, free services from vendors all the time, that is often built on the relationship between an aggressive executive director um, and these vendors. And so when the new executive director comes in, maybe not as aggressive or not as good when it comes to those conversations, the, when you have the expectation that snow, that snow removal is free and now all of a sudden you're getting a bill for it, that creates friction. Um, so anyway, so having empathy for the, uh, for the snowplow company, they're trying to make money. They're trying to stay in business. And and going into those conversations with that understanding um, takes you a long way. I, I think that's one of my pet peeves a little bit, Nathan, is I've seen nonprofit leaders, organizations who feel like they deserve to get special treatment and without realizing the challenges your vendors or whoever have as well. So we, we, we need to change our mindset a little bit on that, I think. Yeah. And you know, you want, you, you want a free service. You want that snowplow company to come in at, at and you want them there at 4am so that, you know, when you drive in at six 30, the snow is clear and you know, you want, you want this, you want this, you want this, but then you're not willing to pay for the service and you're expecting the vendor to take the hit on that. Um, you know, those are, those are tough. Those, those, that would be a hard conversation, Tim. Uh, number four, expectations. Um, a difficult conversation implies that there is some standard that's not being met or a misunderstanding 
or at the very least, some negative action has taken place. And there are at least two parties. And like we mentioned before, sometimes more, there could be more than just two parties. And whenever you have multiple people involved, you have an automatic chance for mismatched expectations. When I was growing up, my dad owned a car dealership and he would always talk to his, uh, to the uh, guys out in the shop, to the mechanics. When they would have a, a car that would come in, it would have a, of course, this was back in the 70s and 80s. So before electronic ignition, so, uh, you know, tune-ups were always a, a big deal. And, and, um, and so the car would be, the car is doing X, whatever X is. And what my dad wanted uh, the mechanics to do was to start with the easiest, most simplest solution for whatever the problem was. And, and, uh, and it's, it, this comes back to expectations. And I think sometimes we assume that we have a hard conversation to make and we, we put in a, uh, all of the bad, all we assume the worst, I guess that's what I'm trying to say, as opposed to maybe we could just start with the simplest solution. Maybe it's just the other person doesn't understand or they don't have the, the right expectation or the same expectation that I have. So where does that come out at? All right. So a, a common mismatch of expectations in a nonprofit setting is when a staff person says, that's not my job. And that's pretty common in smaller organizations because you have a small group of people trying to do too much work with not enough pay. And it is a, it is a perfect storm for the the concept of that's not my job. And and that often happens when a staff person assumes that because it wasn't expressly written in the job description or covered by the HR department and understanding that you the executive director you probably are the HR department which means you didn't bring it up in the interview that 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 means that somebody else should be doing that. And then from your perspective as the executive director, you're thinking, listen, we're all in this together. Everyone is doing other duties as assigned. And so that's part of who we are is, is you just got to jump in. And, and if it needs to be done, you got to jump in and do it. Well, if you have somebody who is not on that same wavelength and they're saying, that's not my job. I'm not, I'm not emptying that trash can or I'm not picking up that wrapper in the yard when I walk in. And then you as the executive director is saying, everyone should be picking up that wrapper. I'm picking up that wrapper. Well, all right, you've got a, a mismatch of, of expectations and right off the bat, you have a, a situation where a hard conversation is going to have to be taking place. And I think part of that, Nathan, is is at least starting with uh, with giving people the benefit of the doubt and saying, okay, you know, I don't want to start by saying, boy, that person is really lazy or that person is a bad person or whatever. There are so many other things that could be part of this conversation. And so let's let's start with, I mean, expectations is great. <laughs> they may not have had any idea. It wasn't communicated or whatever. So starting with the benefit of the doubt and then working down towards, okay, what is the real issue here? Let's, let's have that kind of a conversation. Yeah. And, and, and that goes back to mindset. Uh, you know, your mindset should, should not be right off the bat. Well, man, did I hire a horrible staff person? 
Well, <laughs> no, let, let, let's assume, like you said, that, you know, that we've hired the right person or a good person. And we just, we, we just, we've mixed masked our expectations here. Well, and then, you know, empathy could come in because as the executive director, you should be thinking, okay, what is, is that their job? Should they be doing that? You know, maybe we've got a process breakdown here. Because if is, there's opportunity cost that comes in, if this new staff person is, do, let's you know, picking up a wrapper in the front yard, that takes two seconds. That, that's that's a that's more about culture of the organization. But if if this new staff person is being asked to do something that takes up thirty minutes of their day, and that wasn't communicated to them at the beginning, we probably have a process problem. And, and so that has to come into the conversation. And, and as the executive director, you, your job to coming into these conversations, Tim, is to not bring your baseball bat or a two by four with you and beat people into submission to do what you tell them to do. That is not, that is not a long-term solution, but to say, okay, well, maybe there really is something wrong here. And so let's talk through it. Um, that's, you're going to get way better outcomes way faster by coming in with that attitude than coming in with, I'm the boss. I told you to do it, do it. So I think what we're trying to say here is hard conversations are part of the job. Don't avoid it. You have to step into it, but there are, there are ways, there are processes to have those conversations that hopefully lead to uh, good outcomes. Yeah. And, you know, as an executive directors, you, you're going to evolve. You know, Tim and I have evolved. We've gotten better with these things and and not everybody you bring into your position, you're bringing in strengths, you're bringing in weaknesses. And, you know, you're if you're like Tim and I, you, you bring in uh, two or three strengths and then you have like a thousand weaknesses and, and you spend your whole career trying to make up for the weaknesses. <laughs> um, no, I don't mean that. But it, it is. um and and so handling these types of conversations, you're not going to be an expert at it the first time that you try it, but you will be able to get better. You will evolve and your ability to navigate through successful outcomes through hard conversations will improve over time. And will there be some bumps along the way? <laughs> oh yeah, there, no doubt about it. There will be some bumps, but you will get better. And before you know it, you will have these conversations well, you will do them well, and they won't be as scary as they once were. Well, thanks for listening today. And we hope you're benefiting from what you're hearing on this podcast. We'd love to encourage you to leave a review so other people can hear about what's going on. If you'd like to get in touch with us, our contact information is in the show notes. That's all for today. Until next time.